Hey, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Alan. So glad to be here with Trent today. And it's one of those really special days that we love on this podcast because we're not alone. We have someone uh, special with us today. So Trent, introduce our guest. And I'm really excited about today's interview. Alan, I am too. Um, Today we get to visit with Sam Byers. Uh, He's a fellow Missourian, I guess is how you say that. (laughs) I got to know Sam a little bit. and, And so... I, I, thank you, Sam, for taking some time out of your schedule. I know you're busy as a pastor and doing lots of other things, too. Uh, but but will you take just a little bit of time and share with us a little bit of your story and maybe about your family, too? Yeah, definitely. Uh, appreciate you guys asking me to be on the, the podcast. Today. Honored to be with you guys um, and hope it, this is a benefit to the those who download it, listen to it. Um, so I am 43. I have lived in Missouri uh, most of my life, uh, born in a, uh, and raised, uh, really I was adopted by my, my paternal grandparents, but um, at a very, very young age, but raised in a church going home, had a walk the aisle experience at age five, um, but um, was not, I would say not truly born again until age 16, lived, lived like a hellion, um, definitely in my adolescent years until I came to know the Lord, but, uh, age 16, God radically transformed my life. And I wanted to, uh, reach my peers for Christ. And so when I started thinking about a vocation, um, I, I was not aware that you could do youth ministry and get paid for it. I grew up in a small, <laughs> small church. And so I thought you had to have another job and then you, and then you volunteered and uh, ministered to the, the teens in your community. And so that was my game plan. And then I went to college and I found out that there are churches that are large enough that they have someone on staff that does just that at age 20. I started in a youth ministry at a, a normative sized church um, and was just working 10 hours a week. And I uh, did that for several years, ended up meeting my wife at, at college, went to Hannibal LaGrange University in Hannibal, Missouri. And then we got married, age 24, and uh, stayed in youth ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me, I was in full-time youth ministry by then. Uh, was the St. Louis area, St. Charles County, for a couple years. And uh, had, had initially thought that I was just going to do youth ministry all my life. And a guy kind of put church planning on my heart, and it was, uh, admittedly, it was it was kind of the sexy thing, you know, back there in the, the mid-2000s. And so <laughs> 2007, we went back to Hannibal. We started a, a church that, to the glory of God, is, is still in existence today, Believer's Church. And so that was my, my first uh, exposure to being a, a lead pastor, primary teaching pastor, we were there for three years, went back to uh, the St. Charles County area. The church that I had left had called me to come back. Um, admittedly, I did not go with completely pure um, motives. Uh, I was told, hey, come back. You'll be the associate. You'll be the, the, the guy in line. And uh, when, the, when the main guy retires, you'll be, you'll be right there. And so I thought, here's a church of almost... 400 people with a, uh, you know, $800,000 budget that that sure 
that sure blows holes in my uh, 60, 70 person church plant with like a $50,000 budget. Um, think of all the good you could do for the glory of God is, is, is how mm -hmm. I, but I, but I, I um, definitely had some selfish ambition there and, and we were back for a little over six months and realized none of this is going to pan out the way we, we thought. So we, we tried to plant another church in the O'Fallon, Missouri area. And mm -hmm. a couple things happened during that time. One, we already had two children, uh, but we thought the well had run dry. And so mm. we, well, we've, we've talked about adopting. I was adopted. And so what started as an international adoption led to a process of us becoming foster parents to two children uh, at that time. And then also I decided I'm not going to plant a church, anything like I did it the first time. Not that it was a failure. I just <clears throat> just have been exposed to some different ideas. And so I thought I'm not going to do it anything like I did it last time. And one of the things I wasn't going to do is I wasn't going to fundraise. So I'm going to go out and be bivocational. That's going to be the best way to do this thing. My, my first um my first venture into the secular workforce was selling supplemental insurance, which I always say, if hell is not like what the Bible says hell is like, then it is like selling supplemental insurance. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was a bad experience for us. We, we incurred debt and it was just a bad deal. But uh, I had signed up for the Chamber of Commerce newsletter. I thought, well, if you're going to plant a church in a community, the Chamber of Commerce, good place to get information. And like <clears throat> the second Chamber newsletter I got included a job listing for a membership director for the Chamber. And so we said, this is it. We have a, a, a paying job and this is, this is going to be the way to go. So I did that. And, uh, the church plant did not end up getting traction after about a, a year and a half of, of everything going on in our world, fostering and working and trying to plant a church. And, and my wife was homeschooling and being a personal trainer. It just, it just did not, not get traction. And so um, we said, well, I don't want to be in youth ministry and I don't want to be an associate again, um, anything like that. So I'm either going to pastor a church which has got to be within 30 minutes because everything in St. Louis is in 30 minutes and we've got these foster kids. We can't just up and move away. So it's got to be a 30 minute drive or if no opportunity presents itself, then we'll uh, just be a part of a church and we'll just, you know, be, be church members and work a job and, and go that route for this season. And <clears throat> we were on the North tip of O'Fallon, Missouri. And um, we found out about a church, which was within a 30 minute drive in the small town of Ellsbury, about 2000 people. It was 30 minutes north of us. And I'd never been to Ellsbury before, but uh, I thought, well, we'll we'll look into it. And I I called the, the point of contact and he said, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a mess here. It like our search committee has up twice. I've been the interim now for 10 months and I was the youth minister and, and there's just, it's a mess and, and it's not full time. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, I, I'm not looking for 
adding something to the plate. I need to rearrange some things. So I don't think I'm interested. And he said, well, just, just pray about it, which admittedly was the worst sell ever. <laughs> you know, let me tell you how bad it is. And then let me ask you to pray about it. But I prayed about mm -hmm. it. And I thought, I thought, well, I should at least go preach there once. They need someone to, to fill the pulpit some. So I'll go preach once and check it out. <clears throat> and it was pretty dismal uh, in many regards. And yet I left feeling like I think God's going to do something here. Um, maybe I was maybe I was desperate was, was uh, just hallucinating. But I told my wife, I think we should continue to pursue this. And so. So that was um, let's see, in two weeks, it'll be the 10th anniversary of my call here to First Baptist Ellsbury. And we ended up moving to Ellsbury and we ended up uh having another foster child during that time and since then we've adopted all three of those placements and then we found out the well hasn't ran dry and so we had two more biological children and we thought seven is the number of of completion or perfection in the bible so we're just going to cap it here at at seven and um and so yeah that's that's our story uh married for 19 years seven kids been in ministry uh for about 23 years and uh 10 years at the uh, small town church i'm i'm pastor of currently that's awesome man i, I appreciate you sharing that and uh, i got it. it's it's amazing to me and because i've gotten to hear several people you know share their story and i love how god takes us through some things that we never would have expected to be able to get us where he needs us to be i love that that's so good definitely yeah Sam, I want to ask you to um, share share with us a little bit about um, how you started this group. This is how I came to know you, is you had started this group called Small Town Pastors. And I, and I love that. I got to go to one of the meetings, and uh, it was really encouraging to me. And I know for a lot of the guys, there was a, there was a bunch of guys there, a bunch of pastors. And so kind of walk us through how that all, how that all started. You know, as a, as a side note, I mentioned that that I have planted two churches, uh, one that one that took and one that didn't. And um, I think a I think a problem for a lot of guys is embracing longevity. There's a variety of reasons for that. Sometimes it's just hard and guys, they think the grass is greener on the other side. Sometimes, though, guys are type a entrepreneur and and they 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 want some type of challenge they like to start things and so they feel like well i've i can't do anything in ministry new here where i'm at and in my local church so they they think the answer is to go somewhere else um one of the things that god has showed me in my context is there are a number of things that I can start. I don't have to be starting something all the time, but there are a number of things that I can start and do in different seasons of, of my ministry here without having to go anywhere else. And so about three or four years into our community as Ellsbury, I started the Ellsbury Community Growth Association. We didn't have a chamber of commerce and, and I had chamber of commerce experience. And so I thought this will be a great way to connect with people in my community. And uh, about four years, four or five years after starting that, 
I started some efforts of what would turn into small town pastors. And so uh, I wear a couple different hats, uh, but the, the point there is instead of guys thinking, I need to look somewhere else, ministry is feeling dull or stale, uh, there might be an opportunity right in front of them, which affords them the chance to do something new and still embrace longevity in their current place. So, so about um, four years ago, I guess it was, I heard that a youth minister at the church up the road, uh, who'd been there about 14 years, had become the pastor of the church he'd been at, that the previous guy had retired. And, and so he was the pastor now. And I thought, you know, I like this guy. I've interacted with him a little bit, but now he's in a lead role. I know that he's experienced some things in ministry. He's never experienced them as the lead guy before. So he could probably use some encouragement along the way. And I just like to improve our friendship. So I'm going to get together with this guy for lunch. I'm going to try to make that be a regular thing. And we had lunch and it was a great, great time. And then there was his church is about 15, 20 minutes away. Then there was another guy who was about 30 minutes away in another small town. And he had planted a church and someone from the church he had been youth minister at was a member of, of our church at the time. And they said, oh, you've got to meet, you got to meet Mike. You got to meet this guy. You all would really hit it off. And so I thought after I had this one lunch went really well, I thought, you know what? I should try to set up a lunch with Mike and uh, introduce myself and get to know him. And that, and that went really well. And I thought, you know, I really enjoyed my lunch with Rod and I really enjoyed my lunch with Mike maybe Rod and Mike and I should get together for lunch. And so, and we had a great time. And then the light bulb came on and I thought, you know, I bet there's a lot of other guys like Rod and like Mike, these guys who were in their, you know, thirties, maybe early forties, maybe younger, not, nothing against older guys, you know, but, but guys who maybe aren't connected, maybe they, they just, they don't quite feel at home in their association. One of these guys was Baptist. One of them wasn't. They're both conservative evangelicals, though. And I thought, what if what if there are guys like that in other towns uh, that just don't really feel like they've got brotherhood? Um, may, maybe I should invite them into this. So what I would do is I would use Google Maps and I would look for churches within about an hour radius and I would do a little deal, a little research, uh, look, find a Facebook page or whatever website. <clears throat> and I would reach out to a guy and it wasn't just, just the uh, younger guys, but I would reach out to a guy and I would say, Hey, do you want to get together for lunch? Uh, introduce myself and just thought it might be encouraging. And if we had lunch and I felt it was life giving to me, like I really enjoyed my time with that guy then I would invite him into the lunch with the other fellas. And I just, I just did this for about a year to the point that we had maybe 15 guys who were having lunch together and some of them driving as far as uh, an hour, 15 minutes away. And uh, a friend was working for the St. Louis Metro Baptist Association, which was not the association I was in, but a friend was working for that association and he said, you know, we lead this, this port, these quarterlies, bring in a speaker, have music, couple sessions, lunch, and we'll have a hundred guys or so come to these. Um, what 
what would you think about doing something like that for small town guys, for rural guys, and we'll pay for it. Well, let's partner together. We did that for a year in partnership with the St. Louis Association, and and they kind of had a brand, uh, and they they wanted what we did to fit within that brand, which makes sense. So they already had a plant Midwest quarterly is what they called it. And so they said, well, why don't we call this plant rural? It's like, okay, that's, that's good. And we got about uh, half a year in and we noticed a couple things. One was while the, the, their emphasis was we want to raise up leaders and plant churches. We found that a lot of the guys who were coming, uh, they, they were, they were right in the throes of it. And um, their church, planting a church out of their church was just, that was the furthest thing away from, from their thoughts. Uh, and a lot of them were struggling. And then also what we discovered was we've got guys who are coming from other associations and, and also guys who aren't even Baptist. And so maybe this should not be the ministry of a particular Baptist association. And maybe maybe plant shouldn't be in the name maybe planting churches shouldn't be our you know our next course of action and so we uh, we we mutually decided to make it a different ministry and call it small town pastors uh, a non-denominational ministry uh, conservative evangelical we've got a lot of baptist associations that support us but uh, the emphasis being on healthy leaders let's let's try to encourage guys in small town contexts Make that our number one goal, be healthy, which Lord willing will lead to healthy churches, which will Lord willing lead to gospel growth, meaning planting and replanting and sending out missionaries. But let's, let's, let's focus on getting health before we're trying to focus on, on reproducing. You just kind of started with fellowship. So you've talked about how it's kind of grown. How has the, what you're doing changed over the last couple of years? Well, we went from just having lunches in one location, which was here in Ellsbury, putting together a ministry team for the, the organization. And so there are two other guys who are on that ministry team and they started doing monthly lunches in their locations as well. And so one, one changes, we've gone from a lunch to a lunch plus conferences and lunches in three locations instead of just one. We've actually added a fourth lunch location, uh, someone from our two, two people from our advisory team. We have a ministry team and then an advisory team. And so two members of our advisory team co-host a lunch in, uh, in Washington, Missouri. So we have lunches in Ellsbury, Hannibal, Lettington, and Washington, Missouri. Uh, we also do a spring cohort and a fall cohort. Guys will read a book together, discuss it over a period of six to eight weeks on Zoom. And then we do an annual retreat uh, for about nine to 10 pastors in the fall. And we've gone from doing four conferences, these, these half day events, to doing six. And now we've, we've landed at five for the time being. We think five a year is a pretty good pretty good mix for us. So it, it has grown and developed and, and I've had guys call from or reach out to me, call, tweet, whatever from Iowa, from Kentucky, from Indiana saying, Hey, how can, from the Western side of the state, how can we bring this here? How can we get involved? And there's a lot of small town pastors, you know, and yeah. so there's definitely a need for this type of ministry. And, and so we could, 
we could try to blow the thing up and make it a make it a, a regional you know all throughout the midwest or national but but I, I don't i don't sense that's what that god would have us to do yet so i just tell these guys hey here's how i got started you can do that too there's guys who have a need you have an interest you can you can be the one who takes the ball and run with it you can you can uh, start something in in indiana or in iowa or in kentucky um and so who, who knows what the future holds for this ministry but uh, for the time being we're kind of a regional just uh, limited to missouri and probably central to, to eastern side of the state i love that sam and you're speaking alan and i's heart language because we both pastored in small towns and you mentioned something before about helping a pastor to realize that he can last for a long time in one ministry setting um, Alan and I, we both, you know, our last pastorates before we became directors of missions, uh, we were, Alan was like uh, 14, 15 years at his church in Colorado, and I was the same in Oklahoma. And so, um, you know, that's our heartbeat. We want, we want pastors to be able to endure. That's why we call our podcast what we do. So I think that's so awesome. Well, I, I wanted to ask you um, some questions because you've had this experience with small towns. What do you see are some of the big hurdles that churches in small towns and maybe pastors have in those settings? Uh, I think that there's at least at least two, maybe three, uh, when I was reflecting upon this. And one of them is small towns have not changed. Small towns have probably not changed at the rate or the pace of the suburbs or the cities, but they have changed. They're not the way they were even 30 years ago. And so one of the one of the challenges is that uh, there are some some assumptions about how ministry works uh, in more traditional churches. So we should have a spring revival and a fall revival mm -hmm. that's going to be incredibly effective at reaching people in our community for Christ, or we should have a crusade that's mm, incredibly yeah. effective at, you know, and, and I just, I give those things as an example, you know, 1985, when I was a kid at First Baptist Church, New London, Missouri, that's what we did and probably saw some measure of numerical success. Things, the world has changed in small towns. And so mm -hmm. I think that there is an, uh, an underlying assumption that we just need to do what we've done in the past and we'll, we'll see that work. But, but the culture's changed around us. The, the community, the people who live in our small towns have changed around us. And so uh, I, I'm not saying that, that we need wholesale changes, but we do need to think differently about evangelism and discipleship in our communities and and i think that's a i think that's a struggle for a lot of a lot of rural churches small town churches uh, another thing that i think is a challenge is trying to to find their unique place and so our church uh on a average sunday morning well i'll just take take last last sunday we had I don't know, 70, 72, three, four people in worship. We had 
like 76 adults or sorry, 36 adults or 37 adults and, and then 36 kids or 37. We had one, we had one number different. We had one more adult, I think it was, than we had kids. So 37 adults, 30, 36 kids. Um, and kids is 18 and under. Um, that that's a that's a normative, normative size church. Um, if you drive 25, 30 minutes to a larger community, you can find a church that had 2,000 people last Sunday. If you drive a little bit further, you can find a church that had maybe 3,000 people last Sunday. And I think a lot of a lot of uh, small town guys see those churches through Facebook and and whatever. And we maybe even see someone or some several people from our communities driving to be a part of a church like that. And we feel this pressure. We have to we have to try to duplicate that or emulate that. And and what it does is it 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 causes us to miss our uniqueness. And so we feel discouragement because. I, I can't be that. I can't do that. Uh, mm-hmm. because we're focused on trying to be or do that. We're missing out on what we can uniquely do that that church of 2000 or 3000 can't. Uh, and then I think the last the last thing, and you've mentioned longevity and endurance ministry can be hard everywhere. I don't want to you know get in this contest of where's the hardest, you know, that rural people rural communities can be hard soil and so you really have to stick around a long time to work that soil and i think a a challenge is guys they they give up too soon they are out after three to five years and they're just starting to break up the break up the soil maybe in their community um Mm -hmm. really Nine, 10 years in, you may just be starting to see some sprouts. Um, and so I think those are three three particular challenges too. Yeah, I love I love what you're talking about there because you know, I was that pastor, you know, some 20 plus years ago where I'm into a church and after three years, I'm like, well, I'm not being challenged. So that must mean it's time to go. And the church was like, Yeah, if you wanted to be here forever, we'd be thinking, what's wrong with you? You know, and so they they expected me to go because this is what has happened for a hundred hundred years in the life of that church. Yeah. Now that they've had a pastor who's been there over twenty years, you see a whole different a whole different life in that church. They've grown. They're strong. They've become a prominent church, and a lot of that's because they have a pastor who came in and stayed and got to know them and really is part of that community and part part of their life and i certainly saw a difference when i was at my church a longer period of time too the difference that 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 long-term presence makes and so that's hugely hugely important so when we're thinking about the negatives they're certainly there there's the challenges to change and all those things but there's some positives when you're small too isn't there oh definitely definitely what one of the positives you know you think about this if you have an event, let's say you're in O'Fallon, Missouri, you know, you're a, a smaller normative sized church. There's 90,000 people who live in O'Fallon. If you have an event and you have uh, 
50 people show up and in O'Fallon, 90,000 people. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not value in what you're doing. Don't misunderstand me. But when you think of the effect on the community overall, that's 50 people out of 90,000. If you are in a town like Ellsbury and you have 2,000 people in town and you have 50 people show up at your event, you're a smaller normative sized church. I mean, that's that's huge. You know, I mean, what what percentage of the, the population are we we talking about here? We're talking, you know, three three percent of your community showed up at, at your event, which might seem like a small number, but but your opportunity to impact the community is exponentially higher in a small town. What one small church can do in a small town is is exponentially higher than what a small church can do in a with God, all things are possible. But just looking at the numbers, you know, um, in in a town of ninety one thousand people, I, my, what I, what I'm going to do to get to know most of my community and be known by most of my community? I mean, the the chances for me as a small pastor, a small church pastor, normative sized church pastor in a large community are pretty small. But in a in a small town, I mean, you can you can be a, a known presence in your community and a community advocate and someone who uh, has some some change or relational rent, whatever uh, illustration you want to use, you can acquire that um, more easily in a small town just sheerly because of of the numbers. And so I, I think that's a that's a unique opportunity of ministry in a in a small town that's so good and and i know you know just kind of have, hearing your story uh that you you know were involved in chamber or you know starting a chamber and all that and i was uh, involved in the chamber in oklahoma too and I, I love that it gives you some opportunities especially in a small town you get to be that that guy who's reaching out in the chamber in those communities are all like We'll take anybody, please come be involved, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's really great. And I got to ask you this, because Alan and I were talking about this earlier. Um, were you, in, have you been involved in like the school settings and, and the um, sports activities and just being involved in the things going on more than just your church and the chamber? Yeah. So when we first moved here, uh, we, we homeschooled our kids and, and I'm, <clears throat> this is from, from my personal experience, we have homeschooled and we have put our kids in public school. There are there are benefits educationally in, in both of those. But what we have found is in a small town, your local school is the heartbeat of the community. Absolutely, yeah. And I would challenge a pastor in a small town who is homeschooling his kids. You don't have to you don't have to sacrifice your kids on the altar of ministry. But I, I would just challenge them to consider all of, of the implications of that choice. Um, what we found after three or four years, uh, I think it was four years of, of homeschooling in our small town context, is the moment we put our kids in school, doors opened to a world of relationships that had been largely close to us before. It doesn't matter how we explained why we were homeschooling, what our what the people in our community heard was, you think you're better than us. 
that's that's pretty much their takeaway. Yeah. But when we first came to town, I I uh, was a soccer coach for our our community kids soccer league. Coached two of my sons, two teams. I did that two years. Um, after doing that, personally, I, I feel like. I probably would have been better off to be a parent on the sideline um, because I would have got to talk with more parents uh, because if you coach the team and, and the kids lose every game, I mean, parents want their kids to win. So, so that, that, yeah. might, not be, that might not be in your, <laughs> not a good coach, maybe be the ball boy or be a water boy or something. <laughs> uh, but when we, when, we put our kids in the uh, public schools, enrolled our kids in public schools. I remember looking in the local paper, our kids have been in school about six months and my wife was still trying to, and we had very young children. That was a factor too, trying to figure out what can we do well. Um, and, um, and so she was still trying to figure out how she wanted to be involved with our children's education. And about six months in, there was a notice in the local paper about an upcoming election, and they were going to have uh, a, some spots open on the school board. And so I told my wife, here's your, hey, here's how you can be involved in their education. And so my my wife ran for the school board this year. She's been doing it for six, six or seven years now. She's the school board president. Um, and we have six of our seven kids in in the school. So we've had a lot of ways to be involved in the school. Um, we've done things as a church, you know, as far as uh, lunch for teachers and, and stuff like that, done events at the school. But um, just by just by having having a family in the school and my wife being on the school board, there's been lots of opportunities to just rub elbows with people through that. Um, and, and kids being involved in extracurricular activities. And I think, I think there are a lot of opportunities though for, I mean, you're, if you're in a small town, figure out how to get connected to your school. Yeah. That's certainly something that was a passion of mine. I, I taught, I coached a track and cross country for, for several years and, and had a blast doing that, getting to know kids, getting to know p parents and being involved in the life of the school. And so certainly, a huge thing that all of us uh, should do, especially in a small town, is be involved in our schools. So the schools have changed. I mean, they're they, they're dealing with cultural shifts and changes, and it's not easy in our school districts. It's not easy in our churches. So when you're talking to small church pastors who may not be as up to date with everything that's going on, you know, in that big city next to them, how how do you talk to them about keeping up with the the changing culture? That we're facing you know i think there are so many great resources out there ministries and and websites and uh i even thought about recommending a, a few but i thought unfortunately our world is so politicized so i'll refrain from throwing any out there's a lot of there are a lot of great resources out there but the thing with small towns is because of the internet media all of that our small town residents are being exposed to everything just like people in in the mm -hmm. suburbs or the the cities are through media they're being exposed to everything but the force of it may not have trickled out this way and so uh for fear of of uh, seeming political you know i i've i've heard because my wife is on the school board 
I've heard uh, from people who will say they saw on such and such news channel or on YouTube or they read about it wherever where, you know, critical race theory is being uh, brought into school curriculum and all these school boards are they're all signing off on it and 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 they 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 have heard it and so they feel like it's in it's in every school and they'll they'll say this i'm like well you know what's interesting about that is my wife is the president of the school board um <laughs> tell me everything that goes on in every meeting you know there's some stuff that, that i'm sure is confidential but she's never once she's never once come home from a meeting and said such and such teacher wants to introduce this curriculum or this is being like that's just not that's not in our small town now everyone in our small town is aware of it regardless of what side of the issue they fall on because of because of the media but <coughs> excuse me it hasn't trickled out into our community in full force and so i would tell guys it's helpful to to have those those ministry websites those those christian news outlets glean things from it's probably helpful to some degree to be on social media as long as as long as um, yeah. you don't find yourself posting content that's actually unnecessarily alienating you from your community or the people you're trying to reach not consuming all of your time but just knowing the people in your community is mm -hmm. is probably the most important culture piece because we can easily assume that everyone believes xyz because that's what this media outlet is saying but it it may not be in the hearts of our people in rural communities just yet you know mm -hmm. so so really just just knowing your community knowing your people is is probably the most uh the most important uh aspect of knowing culture i agree totally and and you know i can tell by as we've had this conversation with sam here that he's a he's a kindred heart with with alan and i and because we've experienced a lot of the same things and we could continue this on for a long time but i know that sam's got things he's got to do and and so um, I want to say thank you, Sam, so much for taking time to be with us. That is a blessing big time to us. And you shared some great wisdom today for the people that listen to our podcast. But um, Sam, again, he is the Sam Byers is the pastor of, of First Baptist in Ellsbury, Missouri. And he also has started a group called Small Town Pastors is doing some really amazing things to encourage pastors and to encourage them to to last a long time in their ministry setting and giving them some fellowship, I think is wonderful. So I, I, I really enjoyed our conversation today and I appreciate that uh, folks have been listening today. So Alan, what else do we need to share before we close off today? Well, Sam, I want to thank you again for joining us. I think one of the, one of the things that I think again comes out of this, Trent and I have been encouraging pastors really at a at a radical pace here you cannot survive ministry if you're trying to do it alone mm -hmm. and too many of our small church pastors are doing ministry all by themselves and they're not getting connected we need the connection of other people who are doing this and sam i catch your heart for that and i appreciate that you're doing that and that's why we do this podcast because we want to see you and your church endure 
Um, and so Sam, thanks so much for sharing this with us. And it's been a great conversation. Um, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Enduring Churches podcast. Mm-hmm.